Good morning, my friends at Hillside, my family. Our last Sunday of the year. You know, there's a song at Christmas. I've done my window shopping. There's not a store I've missed. What's the use of shopping if there's no one on your list? Santa only brought me the blues. Have you heard that song? You know, after Christmas, you can have a little bit of a feeling down. You know, there's such a building. There's such a height. Even as Christians, I tell you, I could not sleep some of the nights before Christmas. So excited about Christmas. Just that Jesus' excitement, the celebration of his birth, the celebration that the reality of Jesus being with us. And I tell you, my best night's sleep is December 25th because all the adrenaline, all the excitement is gone and I sleep so well. But you know, so often we, are, we come under a, an, an oppression, a depression, a discouragement, uh, the blues we let down because, you know, a, a high has, has just been experienced. You know, we've had this festival time over Jesus and celebrating together. So many different uh, parties and uh, meetings we've had together. And I just want to encourage you that we got Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. And God wants to lift us out of oppression. God wants us to be a season where we're not in the blues after Christmas. But there's this excitement building in our lives. And, you know, just like, you know, how we can get discouraged and, you know, sometimes we can even let out some negative words or sometimes we may even let some profanity slip out. Why don't we just do what we did today? When you're feeling heavy or you're feeling negative or you feel like there's a curse word ready to jump out of your lips, let your heart begin to thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you right now that I am facing something so overwhelming. Lord, I just thank you. I praise your name, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you that the wisdom of God is going to come to me today. I thank you that the answers that I need are going to come up out of my spirit. Thank you, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon me when we begin to sing out to ourselves. When we begin to change the spiritual atmospheres that are over us, we see things differently. We feel differently. And God wants to rain down over our mind, will, and emotions His presence. He wants us to have encouragement. He wants us to see with eyes that are bigger than just the limited things that we see. The oppression that tries to come on us. We're in a spiritual war. We're in a spiritual environment. Satan is moving to destroy people and families and hope. And when he gets people discouraged, he drives them into different addictions. He drives them into isolation and independence. But when we begin to praise and thank the Lord, we're brought back into the reality that, wait a second, I am not alone. The Lord Jesus Christ is a gift that keeps giving himself to me. Even last week, our last message, we've been given an everlasting father. Jesus, the greatest gift, has become an everlasting father that we will never be alone again. We will never be able to be suppressed or pushed down because Jesus is with us. We have a father that's going to teach us how to love. He's going to teach us how to receive love and be love. Out of the very places we've had uh, just um, no, no training, no, no natural knowledge, failure, negative input, God is going to supernaturally create and flow through us the ability to be fathers, to be husbands, to be loving members of the family, loving wives, whatever you are and whoever you are, God wants to manifest that, that presence and who He is through your life. You know, but life goes on. We had a great holiday, but life goes on. There are no exit ramps to life. There's seldom any places where we can take breaks because life is constantly demanding something of us. But God tells us that our Christianity is daily. Jesus said daily pick up your cross. 
Because if we stay underneath our cross, we're dead. We're without hope. We have no future. We don't see anything changes. But when we pick our cross up and begin to look to Jesus, life begins to flow. Answers begin to flow. The miraculous, the supernatural, signs of wonders, the amazing works of God begin to be demonstrated in our life because we're not underneath something. We're not buried under a load. We're beginning to walk out life because Jesus is with us. I want to read you something about perseverance. And the definition of perseverance is determine continuation with something. I want to read you a little bit about Edison. Most of you know, but it's just kind of a nice little refresher. Thomas Edison didn't give up when he failed in his first efforts to find an effective filament for the incandescent lamp. Jerry, you are so in the spirit talking about light today. Let me show you my ink and do bulb. We take this for granted. Mr. Edison was persistent. There was something deep in his spirit that wanted to create the light bulb, and he didn't give up. You've been deposited the greatest gift, being born again spiritually and alive to God. There's something deposited in you that Satan wants to shut down, that oppression wants to seal up, that discouragement wants to step on. And it's that creativity, it's that persistence that comes because the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of your life. He, didn't, he did countless experiments with hundreds of different kinds of materials. As each failed, he would toss it out the window. Get this. The pile eventually reached the second story of his house. Can you tell me he was persistent and trying to find something to make this light bulb work? But he didn't give up. He sent men to China and Japan, South America, Jamaica, and Burma in search of fibers and grasses to be tested in his laboratory. One weary October day in 1879, after 13 months of repeated failures, Edison picked up a bit of black lamp black, mixed it with tar, and rolled it into a thin thread. The thought occurred to him to try a carbonized cotton fiber. For five hours he worked, but the thread kept breaking before he could remove it from the mold. He used up to two spools of thread before a perfect strand emerged at last only to be ruined as he tried to place it in the glass tube. Edison still refused to admit defeat. He continued without sleep for two days and nights. Finally, he managed to slip one of the carbonized threads into a vacuum-sealed bulb. He turned on the current and at last saw what he had so long desired to see. Edison conducted some 18,000 experiments before he achieved his goal. Many others during his lifetime were performing some of the same experiments, but but one difference was that Edison, compared to the others, he never gave up. His persistence gave the world the electric light bulb. Are you feeling like giving up today? Did you fail recently? Where the enemy's telling you, you just can't change. You're not going to make it. God tells you, I've deposited something in you. It's persistence. It's the Holy Spirit in you that you can get up and move forward again. And that's what we have as we start this new year. We have persistence. We have the ability to walk with God and to see things change. No matter what's facing us. Can you imagine 18,000 experience? Can you imagine that pile of trash that had to be hauled away outside of his laboratory? But he never gave up. Every time we fail, get up again. Be persistent. 
Be persistent in this year as you pursue God, as you begin to abandon yourself at times to seek God and to ask God to change your life. Observe those things that you know are wrong and that need to be changed and begin to ask God to transform and change your life. I tell you, God has begun a good work in you through Jesus Christ and He's not about to give up. We've been praying today, I was praying for today too, that God will reach our prodigals, those who are going their own way, and the enemy is trying to rip them off. But God has a great destiny for our prodigals. God has a great call. And even out of their failure and out of their darkness, they're going to rise up again. They're going to come back and they're going to serve God like never before. My message today is Jesus repeated truths again and again. I want to kind of go back over some of the things that we talked about this year, some of the prophetic words that came to our church. And uh, kind of like my launching scripture is John 10, 6 and 7. Jesus tells that story about being the good shepherd. And he talked and told it to the Pharisees. He was trying to explain to them who he was. But like so many of us, and like them, we as humans are so much connected with this world and this life, it, we have to hear things, especially spiritual things, we have to hear a number of things before they break through our own understanding, the density of, uh, of our connection in this world, to penetrate our heart and find a place where they can begin to grow. So as the Holy Spirit comes in and waters them, they begin to produce fruit, and we begin to find ourselves doing things differently, taking different actions in our life that allow the Word of God, to manifest itself through us. In John 10.6, Jesus used this illustration about being the good shepherd, the true shepherd, but they did not understand the things which He spoke to them. Then Jesus said to the Pharisees again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Again. May you hear the Word of the Lord again to you in some of these nuggets that that God gave us as a church this year. May the word of the Lord come again to you in those areas where you feel like I keep trying and I'm failing. May the word of the Lord come again to you in strength and in power. May the word of the Lord penetrate the areas that you know God wants to change. May the word of the Lord encourage you today to bring out and manifest the fruit that God has in your lives of those gifts He wants to use. Again, the enemy wants us to be going from Sunday to Sunday barely making it through, feeling oppressed and depressed and discouraged. Why? Just like Jerry was saying, he wants that light to be so dim, he wants it to be a flicker so that we can't give much out to anyone. But I tell you, God wants to energize us. And he energizes us through the Word. He energizes us through our personal relationship that we are not just isolated individuals, but we are powerful members of the body of Christ. And as we leave here and go our separate ways, we are light in a dark world. We are prayers and pray war, prayer warriors over against the darkness that people face around us. We are intercessors to those who need to hear and the gospel and, and see the light. We are uh, strength to our family and to our co-workers as we give the gospel, as we're sensitive to where they're at, and we invite them into conversations where we can talk about Jesus. We are all valuable in His kingdom. But that light must increase that dynamic of the Holy Spirit must increase in our personal relationship with God so that we can be who God wants us to be. You know, one of the prophetic messages we had this year, and I did a series, I think, for uh, maybe 13 weeks about building the church. 
God's building His church and nothing can stop it. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We all know that there's great opposition. We just saw the little controversy this week about the Duck Dynasty guy who, who just spoke out. There is opposition to a standing for righteousness, for standing for truth, for standing for the Word of God. We saw um, uh, Joel Osteen on Katie's show this week and how he's standing for righteousness and how we saw how they tried to rope him in to, to, to form in a way so he would make some kind of a stance or a statement that would be like a line drawn in the sand where he would look spiritually like a weirdo and he did not bite. The gospel... Jesus is building a church. Jesus is building something that's not going to fall apart. He's building in us right now. He's been building this year like never before. We see a manifestation of what God's doing in this church to build up people. That's what the church is. Yes, we we meet in this warehouse, but we are the living, literal building of the body of Christ. We are God's building in the earth. Why? So that people can have influence by what they see going on in our life. And every one of us needs to be praying for miracles like little Irene got up and said to us today. Like the giant Irene, the intercessor, said to us today. Those people in our lives that seem hopeless, that we don't see anything changing, the enemy wants us to give up praying. No! We must contend for the miracles. We must contend because as miracles happen... People's lives are transformed and changed. That miracles break into the temporal reality of people's lives and they show that God is on the scene and God is doing works. And it cannot be denied. Ephesians 2.19 and 20. We who believe in Jesus Christ are fellow citizens with God, people, and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. We're built on something that's not going to collapse. We're not built on some little phony philosophy that's going to pass away. We are built on something that's going to take us all into eternity. And it's going to see the entrance of the kingdom of God on the earth when Jesus sets up His throne in Jerusalem. Prophecy, the prophetic messages. Prophets speak a divine message from God and can tell of future events. We've had some prophetic things going on just recently where we've been praying uh, for Nigeria. And this last week we saw a manifestation of the violence to Christians that are going on. And we've been praying specifically for our missionary, um, Kazmir, and the work of God in Oweri. And we've seen as murders and killings have been going on for Christians in the area around in Nigeria that, that we see how God has been preserving our precious missionaries. But that's why we pray. We have people in our congregation who have prophetic words that encourage us as, as intercessors and people who are concerned about people that we're reaching out to, to pray. And we pray that protective hedge over them so that Satan and darkness do not snuff out the light of his precious uh, missionaries who are doing incredible work. Prophecies interpret the will and counsel of God. Prophecies can tell the future events and or bring encouragement to us to lift us out of uh, discouragement, lift us out of hopelessness, lift us out of, what we, out of what we face every day in the opposition that we all have in this life. Casimir gave one of the most incredible prophetic words and messages to us this last year. Dory said she felt like it was the greatest, most impactful prophetic messages we ever had, and that was the drought is breaking. God is breaking a spiritual drought over us. 
God is breaking the dry heavens, even though we have seen dryness in our land, even though uh, the, everyone's talking about drought conditions and how the drought is, and we haven't had much water. I tell you, there's going to be no spiritual drought over us. Because it's been proclaimed prophetically that the drought is bro- broken and the drought is ending. 1 Kings 18.1 And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Lord, send the rain upon our hearts. Lord, send the rain on our spirit. Lord, pour down on us right now the rain of your Holy Spirit. Let us not live here, leave here the same. Let us leave here encouraged and excited. Lord, let the excitement I have even in my message, I hope you don't feel like I'm shouting at you. I just feel this excitement about what God's doing right now. Here we are at the end of the year. We're not even getting into the new year. And, and it was already said kind of prophetically, we're going to have a great year. God's going to do something powerful. Amen. Hallelujah. The drought ends, 1 Kings eighteen forty one. Again, you know, when you feel like you're in a place where you need a word of wisdom, you have to make a decision and it weighs heavy on you. And I know we all like to be in those places where we know exactly what to do. But you know those moments. Should I do this? Should I do that? I'm at a crossroads. What should I do? Begin to praise the Lord. Begin to thank God for the wisdom of God. Begin to give your heart to the Lord and ask for a word of the Lord. Lord, give me the word of the Lord. Give me the word of the Lord. That breaks through all the cobwebs and all the confusion and all the different options that are fired at you and especially the options the enemy is going to send at you and the plan B's that are going to be of your own flesh are going to cause more problems and more consequences. But Lord, send me the word of the Lord and when the word of the Lord comes, it's clear. It may not be easy, but when you begin to step into it, it's going to bring fulfillment. It's going to be easy to accomplish what God wants to accomplish because the Holy Spirit comes and mounts up and does for you what He wants to do. Why? Because it's God's will and the helper of the Holy Spirit steps in and does what we need done because we're doing things God's way. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. And remember, when the promise comes and the timing is right, there's going to be a sound of the rain before you see the rain. There's going to be a knowing in your heart before that thing breaks that God is breaking it, that it's broken. That's the sound of the rain coming when there's been drought. That's the hope that comes when all you've known is devastation and setbacks and loss and hopelessness. There's something that rises up in our spirit in faith before we receive the promise, before we see the evidence, the manifestation of what God said He'd do, and before we see what we've longed for and wanted to happen. So Ahab went up and he ate and he drank. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. Again, when there's that excitement about God's about to do something, when you know your prayer has been heard and there's a breakthrough, it's okay to begin to look. It's begin to okay to put your feelers out and, and see what God's doing to get up out of your prayer closet, get up out of uh, that place you've been hiding out and waiting for God to do something and begin to reach out and see what's going to be happening. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Now, when you see discouragement, when the Holy Spirit begins to work and you feel it's, it's over, the drought is over, you're doing something. And when you begin to look and you don't see, there can be a temptation to go back into the negative and feel like, no, this problem is unresolved. But no, you keep looking. 
You keep your expectation up. You keep thanking God. Thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to me. Thank you. I have this confidence that has risen up in my spirit that this thing is accomplished, that there's a breakthrough, that there's an answer, that the season is changing. That's when you keep building yourself up in faith. That's when you keep building yourself up in encouragement that God is about to bring into the reality what I've been looking for, what he has promised. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there was a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You know, we, we, we've had uh, hanging over our church for 14 years now since we've been in existence. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison doors to those who are bound. And we felt like uh, this year, especially in the latter quarter this year, that God has just kind of made this scripture more alive. That God has determined to heal broken people, people who have been broken for a long time, people who have been Christians and broken for a long time, that healing is happening in their lives. That brokenness is being restored and taken away, and they're becoming whole. It's because it's a work of God. It's a prophetic work of the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus did from the time he declared Isaiah 61 was fulfilled when he made that declaration. I think it's in Matthew 16 that he said, today, this, is, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And today, as we are in the Holy Spirit age, when the Holy Spirit is actively working, God is actively seeking out those who are broken to restore them. Those who are broken mentally and emotionally, broken by addiction, broken by families, broken by just not even having good examples of families. God is determined that you are going to see family. You are going to be restored, restored like you've never thought you could be restored. Why? Because it's impossible and God specializes in doing the impossible. That prophetic thought, you know, even confirmed by our a co-chairman of MFI when we had time to go in, in prophetic rooms and have prophets just prophesy over us what God was going to do in our churches. He prophesied that we would have a home. And it was the very day that he prophesied us. It was the day we started our SLE uh, with the county. We have some great men from that, that home that God is really working with. And we feel like you guys are part of our hearts. We, we have such a love for you. When God puts you in a family, you know, there's love. And love is what a family should be all about. And it's like what God's done. God's love changing lives. We've had such a desire to see lives change. We've had our own life change. That's why we want to open our hearts. We want to open our arms and embrace people who are broken and have them restored and be part of our family. And be part of those who will get up again and reach out to those around them. Reach out to their families and be places of love and restoration. So God, God has fulfilled that, that word. Dory had a word this year. She said, um, I feel like God is saying help us on the way. You know, we've gone through a lot of different strippings over the last three or four years. You know, leaders and different positions and people. And um, she just felt like overwhelmed with what needs to be done and not having hands to do it. And yet we just see God moving and 
people rising up. We have some people rising up even in our SLE just doing things that they've been incredible gifts of God uh, to us that are helping get our, get our arms around people and to see people help and embraced and encouraged. And we just want to thank you guys for joining with us. Lord, if you pray, if you give a, give a dollar, if you do whatever, you know, it is blessed. It's all part of the work that God's doing to change people's lives. Um, we had a, this scripture also. Um, it's Isaiah 49.9 that people are coming. People are coming home. People are going to be coming into this house. And God's going to be uh, just planting them here. And they're going to be part of us. Some of your friends are coming into the church. Some of you have been longing for the right friend. God is going to bring people in that are going to fill a place next to you that is going to meet a, a deep need that you have for, for friends. And you're going to be a friend to them also. People are coming. Isaiah 49.8 Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable, favorable time, I have heard and answered you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. And I will preserve you and give you for a covenant to the people to raise up and establish the land from its present state of ruin and to apportion and to cause them to inherit the desolate, moral waste of heathenism, their heritages, people who are broken so they can be restored, so they can have right family and right relationships. That's a promise God's fulfilling. That's a promise of God building his kingdom, building his house, building his church. Isaiah forty nine twelve. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these shall come from the north and from the west, and these shall come from a far off land. God calls the prodigal home. God's, God calls people who have wandered everywhere and tried everything, and they cannot satisfy the deep cry that's in their heart because they were, they were created, like all of us were created, to be in fellowship with God. We were created to know and have an everlasting Father, to have the perfect Father image. But it takes steps of faith and learning how to trust to let God be our Father, to let Him be there constantly, to let Him be there when sometimes we're alone, to, to let Him be there when sometimes even our closest friends are not there for a season. Why? Because God is so trying to show Himself as the one and only. Amen. And He doesn't keep us there very long, but there are seasons where he adjusts our priorities and he adjusts our relationships and he takes us out of codependency and helps us to know that he's our rock. And when you have Jesus first place in your life, then you can really enjoy the relationships he gives you because everything's in its right order. We have such a deep need. We were created in the image of God. We were created for a relationship and fellowship. And if he's not first, if we're not receiving fellowship from him, there's not enough other relationships are things that can fill us. But when he is first, we find that a love tank is filled and we find we have something to give to our spouses, to give to our children, to give to our family members, to give to our relatives, to give to friends that are on the outside, to give to co-workers. Why? Because it's something that's continually being renewed day by day. Constantly the Holy Spirit is filling us up with love, filling us up with confidence, filling us up, those of us who are not very good in relationships, those of us who have different uh, social anxieties and different things. It is the Holy Spirit that restores us to be able to have relationships. That's why I can do this today. That's why I can have relationships because God has been working on me for years of putting Him first, learning how to receive and be loved, and then being able to be at rest and then let it out. God wants to fill our cups up, fill our lives up 
so that we can extend it to people around us. Reasons for the remodel. You know, in the Old Testament, the most beautiful ornate place was the house of God. They lined it in gold. They had all kinds of fancy candles, candelabras and different artifacts and vessels in the temple. And it was the focal point of the place where Israel found a place to worship God. And in church, we're not trying to lay on gold. In fact, we'd use a lot of uh, just uh, sheetrock, you know, a little latex paint, you know, maybe some carpet. But trying to build a place where we can set up an atmosphere that's comfortable and more modern to, to reach our generation. And there's times we have to go through remodels and, you know, re- renovate. I don't know if you've ever had to get a new couch or, you know, a new carpet. There's times where you have to upgrade. And so we felt like it's time to, to work on this house. And it's interesting how God's been doing things spiritually and reaching people that God's also uh, timely wanting to, to renovate our house. And so that's what's going on here. This was a scripture that's been prophetic for a number of years, and it really came true in, in how we started our remodel this year and the timing. As Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, Enlarge the places of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Spare not, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Those of you who have children, your, your greatest desire and your greatest prayer should be that my kids will, will know Jesus that my kids will sell out to God and he'll be first place in their life and that some of them will answer a call to ministry, a call to reach out and preach the good news of the gospel that other people can come in in these days of darkness as we press towards the end, as we move and more and more demonic activity is going on to sway the world away from Jesus and bring confusion and deception, that the light will shine and people will declare the glorious good news that Jesus came, that we might have eternal life, that we might have hope, that we might have someone to help us in a dark world that's so confusing and so troublesome. <clears throat> Jesus' will. What is his will? His will, again, is the restoration of broken lives. Luke fifteen seven. I say to you, Jesus is talking. Jesus said, I say to you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. God is so happy. You know, again, Satan makes us feel so condemned. But God is so happy. And there's such a a party in heaven when someone who's been a sinner realizes they can't do this anymore and they need Jesus. And they say, God, will you forgive me? Lord, when you did it on the cross, will you let it apply to my own heart today? that I might walk in forgiveness, that I might know what it is to be washed and cleansed. It's not by being a better person. It's not by reading a few more self-help books. It's by simply receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and letting the Holy Spirit come in like the merry maids and he comes and cleans your house. You know, inheritance is also about rebuilding. And, you know, Elijah talked about rebuilding an altar. I think as we begin to start a new year, you know, there might be places where we're going to renovate our house and we're going to establish new altars. An altar is a place where, you know, we, we sacrifice. 
It's a place where we sacrifice ourselves to God and say, you know what, God, I haven't been serving you first and I haven't had you in that right place and, you know, I really am sorry. Will you forgive me? You know, all of us have seasons where we just kind of are lukewarm and we just kind of do the church thing or do the God thing and, you know, we're going out the door and we haven't prayed, we haven't read our Bible in a while and we just kind of, I'm sorry, God, but there's a place of returning and rebuilding where we build a new altar to God. We establish a new place where we're going to be before God. And there's a new tenderness that comes over our heart. There's a new brokenness. There's a new sensitivity to, to his love and how he cares for us. And in that place of rebuilding the altar, he doesn't do it on, on, we don't do it on our own, but the Holy Spirit helps us establish again this heart relationship where our hardness breaks off, our stubbornness breaks off, our rebellion breaks off, you know, our indifference breaks off, the questions that we've had break off. And we have this fresh, hot love romance again with God. And it's fun to worship God. It's fun to come into his presence. We get anxious about reading our Bibles and and spending time with him and leaving uh, so excited and seeing our problems in such a different light. 1 Kings 18.30, Then Elijah said to the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near, and he repaired the old altar of God, of the Lord, that had been broken down by Jezebel. You know, those demonic things that happen, those spiritual influences sometimes, those seasons when we may be walking with attitudes towards God, those are sometimes uh, seasons where the enemy is really trying to uh, dissuade us from our relationship with God, where he seems to magnify everything that didn't happen, everything that God didn't do, and we start getting attitudes at God. That, that is, a, a, that is de- a demonic thing when when the enemy wants to turn our heart away from God, when he wants to turn our thoughts away from the house of God. We talked about God's ways being higher than our ways and that God has a great inheritance for us. He has such great things, but we won't know them unless we, again, are spiritually tracking. We're, we're letting our spirit be filled with his presence that, and the word of God is coming in there comes an awareness of what's ours and we start contending for it. We start praying that God would get us to that place that we could move in to our new home, into those places of inheritance. God is so much bigger and he thinks so much bigger than we do. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, God says that my ways are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's not going to solve our problems the way we think he would. He has a plan unique for each one of us. And I think it's frustrating trying to figure out what he's going to do. But if we just keep trusting him, keep surrendering those mountains, God's higher ways are going to be visual to us as he, as he does his higher work in us. His thoughts. His design. You know, God has a redesign plan. He has a remodel plan for your life. If you're holding a pile of ashes today, he has a new design for you. Remember the story about the pottery on the wheel that sometimes our life gets marred in the process of living. And when we're left with hopelessness and despair, God says, I can remake you. I can make you better than ever. God wants to do that but it just takes a place of surrendering again to him. Um, Enoch, maybe we could come and 
just have some more worship time as we just have time for prayer. You know, we, we're predestined. God, 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 again, has a plan. And when we surrender to him, when we use our will to say yes to God, God's plan gets initiated. And so we have to give God permission for everything he's going to do. And so when we say, you know, I'm surrendering to you, and there's some areas I have not surrendered, and we say, today I want to surrender. I may be a little bit scared about what you're going to do. You know, sometimes we're going to remodel our house, and the designer has this plan, and the demolition crew comes in. We're a little bit hesitant. What's it going to look like? What are you going to tear down? God tears only things down that keep us from being beautiful, like how he wants to create us. Will you stand with me?